Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lights, Camera, Action Movie Podcast. On today's show, we will be reviewing Avengers Infinity War. This podcast contains spoilers and strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Lights, Camera, Action Movie Podcast. Boy, has it been a while. Yeah, too long. Yes, it has. Mike Winkler here along with... Jason Kabasik. And welcome back. Um, I want to take this moment to thank all of our listeners so far. We got a little bit of a shock on CastBox, how many hits we've gotten. So thank you for that. Yeah, that we really appreciate you guys. Uh, those of you who have been using CastBox or any other platform to uh, listen to our podcast, we we strongly urge you guys to please comment on the podcast at all, because we need to get some fresh ideas. Yes, very much so. You know, subscribe, please comment. We want to know what you guys want to hear. We can't stress that enough, because we want to provide you guys with podcasts for movies that you want to know what we think about them. And... It would be great help to both of us, especially considering that in the last couple of podcasts that me and Mike have done together, we both have talked about how we're going to do our own solo podcasts on this channel while we're waiting to come up with an idea for our next combined effort. Yeah. So it'll definitely help us out, especially considering I'm going to go with a lot of the more lesser known films that people don't necessarily watch, Mm -hmm. and then... A lot of, like, the horror genre. Yeah, so our next podcast will probably be Solo, a Star Wars story. That's pretty much a given um, for now until you guys give us some ideas of where to go next. But um, today's podcast is all about the big movie of the summer, Avengers Affinity War. The big movie of the summer. The movie that has smashed how many box office records so far already? A shit ton. We're coming up on $2 million worldwide. It's already surpassed Black Panther, coming up on the Force Awakens all-time worldwide record as well. Alright, it's just insane to think about that. It took how many weeks before Deadpool 2 finally ended up taking over as the number one spot? Three weeks. It's not often you hear a movie like that, a movie in general lasting number one for three weeks straight. Not anymore. I mean, back in the 90s and stuff, it was, you know, like, remember that long streak that Titanic went on before Lost in Space snapped it after, like, six six or four or five months it snapped it? That was Something back in like the day, that. though. I mean, back in the day, we were talking about before movies came to video, it took a year for movies to come to video, where today it takes three months. Yeah. The window's short. But, um, yeah, so thanks for coming back. This is a very exciting podcast, so please stick with us because we're already anticipating this podcast being very long because there's a lot to go through in this film. Yes, me and Mike both have a lot of notes pulled up right now to go over because mm-hmm. we figured this was going to be a very interesting topic, especially considering me and him both have our difference in opinions on this film. Both uh-huh. of us are going to agree that this movie was probably easily the best um, Marvel film I pr- think that they've come out with. Um, I will definitely tell you that this probably was the first Marvel movie where I literally was on the edge of my seat wondering what the hell was going to happen by the end of this. Uh, yeah. Uh, I didn't necessarily think that. I figured that 
what was going to happen was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I just didn't figure the impact that was going to have on me. Mm-hmm. It's lingering. It, very much so. All right, so I'm going to step away for a couple minutes, guys, and let Mike talk to you about some of the production and everything. I'll be right back with you. All right, thanks, Jace. Uh, all right, everyone. Um, I really want to break down to you guys. I don't know, you know how much about the production details and everything you know about the film. Um, as you all know, this was initially announced as a two-parter, and we were told by the Russo brothers that this had changed, that it was no longer going to be called Infinity War Part 1, Part 2, that it just basically was going to be two separate kinds of movies. This is where they got us good, because after seeing the movie, we can all now call bullshit, because this is, in fact, a part one, part two kind of story. Um, It just seemed like two and a half hours was not going to be enough to tell this whole Infinity War story. It was going to feel rushed and everything, and and Thanos suffering his death at the end of two and a half hours after all this build-up for, what is it, 19 Marvel movies that have come before it? A lot lot of build-up, you know, he needs two movies to tell his big story. So this was initially announced as a two-part sequel back in October of 2014, you know, four years, you know, before we were supposed to even get part one, which blows my mind, because we were just getting Age of Ultron at this time. Um, part two, you know, we now know is due out uh, May 3rd of next year, so we're not going to have to wait very long to see this story finished off. And, um, you know, we've been told by the Russos that, you know, how this whole thing's going to end, this whole Marvel phase, it's going to change the face of the Marvel Universe as we know it. A lot of things are going to happen by the end of this. And when we start to finally go into phase, I think it's phase four that's coming up. Yeah, phase four... Um, you know, we're not going to be used to our typical Iron Man, Captain America type things. We're talking about getting into Captain Marvel, more Black Panthers, more Spider-Mans, Ant-Mans. You know, we're getting into some side characters that are not these big-time Marvel characters we're used to seeing, minus Spider-Man, of course. Um, and I apologize if I sound like I'm far away, folks. I'm outside right now. Yeah, he's having a smoke out there. Um, but, yeah, Marvel's going to change drastically, so... You know, enjoy these last two Infinity Wars as much as you can because it's probably the last you're going to see a lot of these favorite Marvel characters. Um, as you all probably know, this story is based upon two graphic novels. The 1991 graphic novel The Infinity Gauntlet and the 2013 uh, comic Infinity. Um, Anthony Russo had claimed that this film was mostly inspired by 1990s heist films with Thanos on a smash-and-grab kind of journey to acquire the Infinity Stones, and everybody's trying to catch up to his whole master plan and always a step behind him throughout the whole movie. Much like a heist film would be, the cops are always behind you know, the thieves and the robbers doing bank heists and robberies and such. Um, in May of 2016, the Russos revealed that they would retitle these two films so they'll no longer be called Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2, the second one will have a whole different name. The rumored name right now is that they will call the last one Infinity Gauntlet. Um, we've also heard it might be called Avengers Endgame. We've heard different things. And I know the Russos recently revealed that the title was not revealed in the movie. There was some speculation that the title was revealed in lines of dialogue. They have since said that that is not the case. So I think that pretty much eliminates Endgame as one of the titles because Doctor Strange uses the word Endgame to describe what's coming towards the end of the film. Yeah, um, Jason will come back and explain some more of that details. We'll get back to that later. Um, so, this film, um, 
is by far the biggest Avengers film that we have experienced so far, and probably will be the biggest one, period. I can't imagine anything coming close to topping this later on. What was that, Jace? Part two. Except for part two, of course, yes. That's what I mean. These are the two biggest biggest Avengers films we have. It's the one complete story. Um, because this movie alone already, already is bigger than Age of Ultron and the first Avengers ever could have been. I mean, I don't think any of us could have imagined that this would be this drastically big. This universe is drastic. 19 movies, three Avengers films, soon to be four. This is just quite quite the universe. And there's nothing like this really in, in, in the film world. I mean, this is really the first time that we've really seen such a cinematic universe take place other than DC making the attempt that has failed drastically over the past few years. Um, I mean, me myself, I, 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 I like Justice League, but I'm, I'm, I'm mad at some of the things because they went about the whole thing all wrong. Um, you would think DC by now you know, could take cues from Marvel and learn from it, but they don't learn. They continue to make the same mistakes over and over again, and they're just not learning from it. All right, folks, I'm back. I do have a little thing I want to add on to that, though. It seems like what DC's more focused on is their television programming, which by far surpasses anything that Marvel put out, because if you watch oh, God, anything yeah. like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or what else has Marvel put out uh, show-wise again? Punisher, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage. Um, I mean, they've been good, Defenders. but they're just, they're not, they're not on par with the shows that DC has put out. Well, DC shows are so good. I love them all. You know, Arrow is a fantastic show. The Flash is a fantastic show. I, I haven't completely bought into Legends of Tomorrow yet. I'm still trying to buy into that. And I watch Supergirl. When you do, but... tell me what you think about Legends of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Because... I've, wa- I've watched the first five or six episodes, and I like the time travel aspect. It's definitely an interesting twist on the whole Arrowverse thing. And I, I don't know if you heard about this, but Black Lightning is being added into the Arrowverse next season. Good. Yeah, and it should be, because it's kind of weird to have a DC show on TV that's not a part of that universe. It just makes exactly more sense. But away from DC, you know, that's a whole different conversation if we do DC movies down the line. We'll get into all that mumbo-jumbo and bullshit. So, um, But yeah, I mean, tell me, Jace. I mean, you got to tell me what you think of this. So what do you think going forward? I know with Phase 4, how is it going to feel... How is it going to work without our typical Iron Man, Captain America's driving that? I it's going to definitely feel weird. These uh, Marvel and M- the MCU is probably going to take a huge hit from this, only because the fans are so used to seeing Tony Stark and uh, Steve Rogers in those in those roles like that. Right. Right. But when you think about it. It, it should have happened a while ago. I think, I think this is going to be the end. I think this is going to be it for uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Yeah, and you got to feel too by now. We're getting to the point now where we're going to start getting into superhero fatigue. Because I don't know if you guys are. Well, I don't know if anyone's really going to be truly sick of it. Um, but I, I don't know how many of you guys notice this. How many of you read co- the comics at all? But after the events of uh, Civil War, uh, Steve Rogers actually should have died. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Steve Rogers was actually supposed to die at the end of that because he was going. I want to. If I remember correctly, he was going up to the city hall to 
he had to, yeah, he was going out to the city hall. I want to say it was either to um, t uh, sign a peace treaty or to go stand trial mm -hmm. when he was shot and killed. I mean, things could go that way in part two. I mean, it's very likely. I mean, you know, Captain America is still alive. I mean, at which point then that was originally supposed to be when uh, Bucky took over as Captain America. Well, my theory was probably going to happen here. A lot of people seem to think that part two is going to go one of two ways. Basically, we're gonna we're gonna lose at least one big adventure. We're either gonna lose Tony Stark or we're gonna lose. It, there's Steve no or. There's no one or the other. We're gonna lose both, got people. I'm gonna tell you why I think Tony Stark lives and why and why Steve Rogers dies. They almost set it up in part one with Tony Stark. They are trying to give him the closure that he has built up towards throughout the whole MCU with, with Pepper and talking about kids and marriage. Whereas if you look at Steve Rogers' journey, he really has nothing left in this world. I mean, he the world he left behind in the 1940s during World War II, that was his life. He, he lost a huge chunk of his life back then. And he has kind of run his course at this point. Which I've got my opinion that I'm waiting for you to uh, finish up what you're talking about and I'm going to mention mine. Go ahead. Um, there were rumors that were floating around recently. I don't know how much of them are true. I'm waiting to hear more about this. That, uh, there was a setting where it looked like it was back in the 1940s mm -hmm. with, uh, Chris Evans back on the set. Set photos of his, of his uniform you're talking about, the costume. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, which I personally think that they both are going to end up living mm -hmm. at the end of this. We're, it's still going to be the end of them as we know it, like right. as in being characters in here. But right. I have a feeling that once this is all said and done, before they uh, disperse the stones or destroy them, Captain's going to request that they use the time stone or to uh, send him back to his time. Yeah, I, I you know. It's funny that you mentioned that because I've always um, – I thought if there was any way that Steve Rogers does survive this, it would only be if he can go back to the 1940s. That's really the only way he probably can survive because that's where he's the most – that's where the, he's the most happy. Yeah. He wants to be with the girl that basically, you know, he left behind when he died – when he quote-unquote died but was frozen – you know, and found by Nick Fury. So, yeah, I, I can I can definitely see... I would prefer that. I would prefer that he gets to go back and live happy instead of dying, because I think dying... You know, I don't want to see those characters die. I've watched oh, those movies. I want to see those characters live, and I know it's part of war in a movie that they're going to die, but yes, I would like to see it go that direction versus the latter, of course. Exactly. Yeah, so um, we will see. I mean, part two, you know, is going to be a very interesting, very interesting film, how this is all going to close up for the end of all these three faces we built up. Alright, so why don't we use this time to kind of jump in to uh, the movie now and start building our way up through this long two and a half hour journey of a film. So, this movie literally opens up right where Thor Ragnarok finished. Alright, so with this, the uh, movie opens up with the Asgardian distress signal going off, mm -hmm. at which point we hear Ebony Maw going around talking, uh, you know, preaching his 
business with the Black Order uh, going on with Thanos. Voldemort lookalike. Voldemort lookalike? No, more like Squidward. We'll get into that one. Mixture of the two. We'll go with that. Uh, but opens up with that. You see how half the Asgardians were killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is where there's a lot of debate going on online. And, and um, actually, we can actually confirm this now because the directors have actually confirmed this now. Everybody kept saying about how, you know, um, where did the, all the other half of the Asgardians go? What happened to... Um, Oh, what's her name from um, uh, Thor Ragnarok? Uh, the 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 chick that was one of the Valkyrie. What was her name? I don't know. Oh shit! Shit! I want to look shit, that shit, up. Shit, shit! Shit! Okay, give me a minute here. Give me a minute, people. But back to what I was saying. So there was a lot of issues with what had happened to her. Okay, her name was Valkyrie. She went by Valkyrie. That was her name. Um, Which makes sense. All right. Yeah. So people were wondering what happened to Valkyrie because they didn't show her on screen. People kept, people kept saying, oh, did they kill her off off screen? Well, the directors have confirmed that when the movie opens, half the Asgardians did in fact get away. Which actually makes sense because, you know, one of the questions that being asked, you know, was where's Corgan, where's Valkyrie? Correct. So she got away with the other half of the Asgardians. She Mind you, also, thanks, you got to realize that Thanos only kills 50% of Correct. the people that he's going after. That makes, total, that makes a shitload of sense. So that, so she gets away with the other half of the Asgardians, so let's, we can put that debate to rest, and the directors have also confirmed that as well. So, continue with uh, what's going on next. Alright, so next we see Ebony Ma walking by uh, Loki, which we see the camera cut up to uh, him mm-hmm. and then we see who was it that grabbed it was Thanos that grabbed Thor and threw him out of the ground right so we yeah, finally he, saw Thor again yeah he grabs him by the head and he's squeezing his squeezing his head before Loki shows him the uh, Tesseract alright and what happened now with uh, Thor uh, what did Thanos talk to Loki about um, well, he was looking for he 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 thought that um, they had the the Tesseract, which uh, which is the other stone, which is I believe the blue stone is the power power space st- stone. Space stone. Okay, so that's the space stone. And Loki kept saying, "No, I don't have it. No, I don't have it." So when he threatens to kill Thor with the power stone, right? Thor uh, Loki decides to call his bluff. He starts torturing Thor. Loki gives in and shows that he in fact got the Tesseract, which Thor had mentioned that. Uh, said that the Tesseract was destroyed, Mm -hmm. and you just see Loki looking guilty, conjuring up the Tesseract. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and uh, so that's where he gets his hands on... By the way, this is is the second stone that Thanos gets his hands on. He already had a stone to open this movie. Which was the Power Stone. Correct. That's what it was. Um, So he gets his hands on the Space Stone, and... This leads to a showdown with Hulk, <coughs> Hulk and Thanos. Which, that was a great fight to start the movie off with. It made it seem like, you know, Hulk and Thor and Loki were going to get the upper hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we hear Ebony and I talk to, I uh, want to say it was Cull Obsidian, telling him, you know, Shh, let lo, let him have his fun. 
which point then you see Thanos clock th uh, Hulk right in the face, see Hulk yeah. get looking like he gets stunned, at which point then you just see Thanos just unload a flurry of punches and pretty much just decimates Hulk. Yeah, Hulk literally Finishes up by picking him up and slamming him into the ground, which is something we had yeah. never seen to this point. Yeah, Thor usually doesn't get beat like a fucking teddy bear. I mean, it's he gets beat to a pulp, and it's... And let's just say this has serious repercussions on Hulk Which coming then, out of uh, this movie. Who was it that was on the ground? It was uh, Thor's friend that was on the ground that uh, sent that. I want to say it was the signal out. Uh, yeah, yeah. He opens the um, the rift, you know, that can send people across space. Uh, but unfortunately, he he gets killed, which you know, kind of by Thanos, that, that which coming. you see. Hemdall Thor. is his name. Hemdall. Hemdall, thank you. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Which you see Thor start losing his shit. At which point then Ebony Ma proceeds to keep using his powers, wraps metal around his face and shuts him up. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. At which point then you see Ebony Ma give the Tesseract to Thanos and... Using these words, my humble person personage bows before your grandeur, which I want you people to take a look at that and realize that those were uh, words taken exactly from the comics. Uh -huh. That line was taken exactly from the comics. They were exactly the same uh, as what Mephisto said to Thanos in the comics. You see, this is what I'm talking about. Marvel takes lines and storylines from the source material, which is something that DC refuses to do, and this is where DC got themselves into a lot of trouble. This is where Marvel does things right, and this is why I appreciate it so much, because they know how to follow the damn source material. Exactly. But at which point, then, you see Thanos crushing the Tesseract in his hand. Exposing the stone. Exposing the stone, at which point then we see him inserted into the gauntlet. Yeah. Which then leads to him saying that uh, there are two more stones on Earth. Mm -hmm. And tells all the Black Order to uh, meet him on Titan with the stones. Two stones down, four to go. At which point then you see Loki come in and like if pretty much offering to be a guide to uh, Thanos and his minions mm -hmm. to Earth and where to find them. Yeah. Uh... Which one? Loki, uh, yeah, Loki then gives... Uh, supposedly his loyalty to Thanos, only we see him with the knife in his hand. Mm -hmm. He goes to stab Thanos, which point Thanos has the gauntlet up, and you see the power of the Space Stone being used to stop 
Loki right in his tracks. Cold in his tracks, and he can't move. He's fucking And you hear him say the words of uh, undying. Really should choose your words a little more carefully. Good line. Good line. Which point then you see Loki being picked up by the throat by Thanos and has the life choked out of him before he ends up dying says the words you're no god which you will never be a god yeah just see Thanos smirk as Loki's body goes limp at which point then Thanos proceeds to carry Loki over to where Thor's being held on the ground drops him in front of him and was like, no resurrections this time. Yeah, I, th- I, I think that this death is going to stay permanent. Which is... When you th- when you take a look at it, it's a good reference to um, Loki's two fake deaths that he had and the resurrections. Yeah. Yeah, that, this one's going to stick. I mean, we've been told by the directors of the movie that some deaths are going to stick. Not all of them are going to be reversible. This is a death that's going to stick. I mean, it... it I just don't see this death being reversed, which kind of puts a huge dampener on uh, on if they decide to make another Thor movie, because with a Thor movie without Loki, that's going to be different. I mean, we're used to having Loki in Thor movies. That's, you know... Yeah, it's at that point that we see uh, Thanos raise the gauntlet up in the air. You see the Power Stone pulse causing an explosion to ha- start happening, mm-hmm. at which point then he proceeds to use the power of the Space Stone to warp them all out of there. Leaving, basically, Thor to die on the ship, which we are left to think happens. As, and Hulk, too, when you think about it. Yeah. Well, no, we see Hulk get transported. Yeah, but leaving him to... You would think that the way that they made it look originally is that it looked like Hulk was going to be dying on that Oh, Thor looked... Well, yeah, well. yeah, Hulk looked pretty limp, too. You know, um, but yeah, we're left to think this is how it's going to go. I mean, it doesn't look good. I mean, we're thinking, oh, God, we already lost Thor and Loki and possibly Hulk in this amount of time. What's this movie going to do? Kill everybody off in the first half hour? And mind you, this was also just in like the first five, ten minutes of the film. Yeah. Yeah. And we already had a major death in Loki. At this point, we know this movie is not going to hold anything back. This is going to be a ruthless movie. We, we, you just know it by the first ten minutes. Exactly. All right. So after that, we get credits rolling, mm. and this takes us to what now? Okay. So Hulk crash lands at the Sanctum Sanatorium, which is the home of Stephen Strange in New York City, but he reverts back to Bruce Banner, and at this point, Bruce tells. Doctor Strange and Wong that Thanos is coming. Stephen Strange has a classic line. Who? You know, he just says, who, before we get the title card, Avengers Infinity War? Yeah. So we get a little humor here. We're back to a little bit of humor. This is what Marvel does. They, You know, they add in humors. Exactly. Which leads us to Doctor Strange finding Tony Stark, which we're finding out that him and Pepper are going to be getting married. Again, this is this is this is what I like. This is this is the last this is the last big movie of this phase, okay? This all started with Iron Man. And the fact that they are incorporating kind of a finishing touch to Tony Stark's life coming full circle. Exactly. This is another reason why Marvel does this correctly. Exactly. 
So Doctor Strange recruits Iron Man, and here we get a long conversation with everybody explaining who Thanos is, what he does, and how Bruce finds out that the Avengers have kind of split after Tony and uh, Steve in, in uh, Civil War had their big falling out. Yeah. Which, again, this really makes me realize that... Uh, how long has it been since Civil War already? How many years ago has this been? At least two or three. Okay. So, the one thing we don't know here, we don't know how much time has passed between Civil War and this movie. It, I, I don't yeah, really cause, know. Yeah, because, mind you, also got to keep in fact that Hawkeye's been gone for two years. Mm-hmm. Half the universe is dead. Yeah. I mean, this is this is huge. I mean, think about it this way: we've we've had since Civil War, we've had two Marvel movies: Spider-Man: Homecoming and Thor: Ragnarok. Since Civil War, yeah. Am I missing one in there somewhere? Black oh, Panther. Black Panther's in there too. Uh, I think there might have been one more. I don't remember. Uh, I don't know. So there's at least been three. So we're. We're probably looking at a time gap, maybe maybe somewhere around a year. Maybe a year has passed by this point. It's very possible. No, it's been about two years. You think it's been two years since Civil War? Yeah. we got to check on this, because this is a very curious question. I really want clarification on this, because I want to know... Because I'm trying to think at the end of what movie, because I remember there was a... I don't know if it was the end of Age of Ultron. It might have been. It wasn't the post-credit sequence in Age of Ultron where they showed Thanos open the open the door and he says, sometimes you got to handle things yourself. Was that the end of Age of Ultron? Because that was quite a while ago. I believe so. So at that point, it's, we're led to believe he's coming for for Earth and the Stones at that point. So this is where this or there's a, there's a time time issue here because if that was from Age of Ultron. We're talking a lot of movies between that one and this one. Yeah. So we have to wonder how much time was going on here. Like I said, probably a couple years. Probably about two. Yeah, give or take, something like that. You're probably about about right on that. Um, but, um, yeah, so as we get here, um, Ebony Maw shows up on Earth looking for the stones, and Tony Stark is not having any of this bullshit. And yeah. we get a good fight with Doctor Strange and, and Tony and mm. Hulk that won't come out of his fucking shell, Bruce Banner's shell. This is a reoccurring thing throughout the whole movie. Which, that was... That ends up leading into where we see... What was it? Ebony Maw and uh, another henchman of Thanos ended up coming to Earth on that ship. Yeah, it was that big, big, like, guy. He was huge, and he was carrying that big, huge, like, axe. Yeah, that might have been Call Obsidian. Um, But, yeah, that leads to them, and then... We see Captain, or not Captain, Jesus Christ. Peter. We see, uh, no, uh, Stark talking to Banner, uh, telling him, you know, might be time to big bring out the yeah. big green guy. <laughs> Which one that we, we see uh, Banner repeatedly trying at just not wanting to come out. He can't get it up. It's like he, like he just can't get it up. <laughs> It's just funny to me that uh, Hulk was essentially beaten so much that he became a pacifist. Yeah, he's he's downright afraid of this situation. 
And what is Tony's line to them? You're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good line. Oh, uh, alright, so... From here, what did we end up hitting? Uh, we're introduced back to Peter Parker on the school bus. Yeah, at which point then he sees the um, ship that's up there, tells his one friend he, he needs a distraction. Mm. Oh, yeah, and he turns to the spaceship and says, Oh, we're all gonna die! Which Good one then you see Peter put on the mask, open up the emergency exit on the bus, and then right out. Yeah. At which point then you see Stan Lee's cameo in this film. No movie can be with that. No As the bus driver, and, and he said, what's the matter? Have you kids never seen a spaceship before? <laughs> uh, well, at this point, I think all these kids have seen a lot of weird shit go on in New York City. I mean, look at the first Avengers movie. That, well, yeah. I mean, that was, you know. But, uh, yeah, so this, this is a long, drawn-out battle that's a good battle. Uh, especially with Ebony Maw and Doctor Strange going at it and Tony Stark fighting, you think he was just call Obsidian? That's, yeah. That's who it was. Um, and this eventually leaves, leads to them getting on the uh, the spaceship away from Earth. Which we see uh, Spider-Man proceed to uh, hop aboard the spaceship with Stark falling behind uh, telling him to jump off, he's going to catch him. Mm-hmm. And... As as uh, Spider-Man falls off, we see another one of Stark's contraptions attached to Spider-Man, which we realize it's one of Stark's suits that had formed around him. It's the same suit that he offered Peter at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming that he refused to, to use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome suit, by the way. I mean, really awesome suit. And then this takes us into, I want to say it was the... Uh, first shot, was it, was this leading us into Vision and, uh, Scarlet Witch, or was this leading us into, um, Quill and the rest of the Guardians? Yeah, we go, we go to the Guardians first, because, um, we don't get, go back to, um, Vision and that until after Thor arrives on their ship and everything. That's when we go back to them. That's right. Um, but this leads to some great, great, great... Again, the Guardians being a part of this... Oh, God. Awesome. But... I wouldn't say so much great, great, great as it was just Star-Lord being a piece of shit like usual. Well, he's part of the reason why a lot of this shit happens, which we'll get into later. But uh, tell me, this whole thing with Teenage Groot, this is funny, this is good shit. I mean, this is just what makes Guardians hilarious. <laughs> I mean, this is just... See, Star-Lord telling... Star-Lord telling Groot to put away the game and just hear... You just hear this sass coming from Groot. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> just, am Groot! And you just hear them all going, Whoa, language! <laughs> I wish I knew what exactly Groot was saying in that language. I really do. You might not want to know what Groot was saying at that point. No, it, it probably was... Probably um, the same thing that any teenager does when he's rebelling. Uh, yeah, probably uh, probably dropping an F-bomb in there somewhere. Or oh, yeah. Go fuck yourself, whatever you want right, to So it's at this point they're saying how they're picking up something. Or, yeah, I want to say it was Drax saying to Star-Lord, Star-Lord that uh, 
they're picking up something ahead of them. Distress signal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which... At which point, then, you see Thor land right on the ship's uh, front side there. Uh, yeah. They mm-hmm. think that he's dead, with Raccoon telling him to get it off. Yeah, and then you have, you know, um, Gamora, you know, she's she's feeling, you know, Thor's biceps, and, and Star-Lord's looking at him like, don't touch, you know, typical, <laughs> you know, Peter Quill jealousy kicking into high gear here. And that you've got, uh, there's that, and then you've got uh, Drax, who... It's just Drax. <laughs> oh yeah, I, to be honest with you, Drax. Drax probably is. Yeah, he, Drax makes this movie better in my opinion because mm-hmm. the comedic timing. Oh, it's great. Is excellent. The best part of him is after Gamora finally lays one on Peter. He's watching eating bag of chips. Yeah, like, yeah. But you see, see Mantis. Um, Wake up, Thor. <laughs> and he loses his shit. Thor essentially loses his shit. They're, they go on this long spiel. They're, oh, they're talking about... And the, you got uh, Quill, who's just, just getting more and more jealous of Thor because Gamora was touching him. <laughs> so you see uh, Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, for those of you who've been living under a rock... Um, that you just see him start copying Thor, like going deep, like making his voice deeper. Why are you copying, copying me? Him. Why are you copying me? But oh, another thing that people got to realize is that, you know, uh, one of the awesome things about this is that Thor and Star-Lord, when they were going out, when they were talking there, mm-hmm. going on about what they were, what they'd gone through, it was essentially recapping all of the movies to each other that they were in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, counting yeah, all true. the family members, each of them lost. Yeah, yeah, that's like true. in those films. Wow, I didn't realize that. Well, here it is too, because we, I think the biggest question everybody had throughout um, this whole thing, you know, after Guardians, is that how how was the Guardians gonna mix in with the Marvel universe that we knew it? Because it just seemed like it was totally different. I uh, was it gonna all blend with the humor and the way the characters were. And this was done perfectly. And they couldn't have asked for two better characters to do this because introducing Thor as being the first one that interacts with them, that was the perfect choice. Yeah. Easily. At which point then you see Thor mention how, you know, he had to get a weapon to uh, essentially take out Thanos, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. could only be used by him used by a maid, essentially, and what was the name of the place again? Nowhere. No, no. no nowhere is where the collector is. Um, Snitavillier, I want to say it was. Melitavillier, Melitavillier. Yeah, yes, that's right. That's correct. Nidavillier, yeah. Yeah, Nidavillier. You just see Rocket's eyes light up at the mention of the name. She thought it was a legend. Yeah, a myth, a legend, yeah. It... And so Thor offers to take uh, as him and Groot to come along. Good luck, morons. And that just made me laugh because Thor keeps referring to uh, Rocket as the captain. 
can you imagine Rocket is the captain, but then again, Star Lord captain. Yeah, it, it, it's a frightening thing. Gamora is is probably the only person capable of being captain on that ship because everybody else is just so woohoo in the head. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is one of my favorite sequences in the movie. This just this whole chemistry with Thor and the Guardians. This is just this is just good stuff. This is just good writing, good good comedic timing, just a good scene overall. Which is definitely nice. Oh God, yeah. I mean, you need it in this in this movie because without the humor, I don't know if the movie works nearly as much. It'd be dark as hell. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. So next scene that we get to is leading into Vision going to Scotland with Vision and. Uh, Wanda. Wanda, mm-hmm. aka Scarlet Witch. Yeah, and this leads to a really cool thing. I mean, I got I got to say, you know, the, the the build up here, we knew that the romance between Wanda and Vision was coming. I mean, the build up was all yeah, there. Yeah, we see that War. we saw that happening and it it almost sounded like what was going to happen is that we weren't going to see them a whole lot in this film. Mhm. And then they cuz they had talked about how they were what each wanted each other to stay uh where they were. Mhm. You know, so it didn't have to go anywhere. That way they could be together. Right. At which point then you see Wanda turn around and point out to Vision on the television that's there how New York was under attack. Mm -hmm. Which point then you see Vision then say that he has to go. Yep. Which when he goes to, the second that he goes to phase, phase out and head that way, that's when we see... What was his name? They're attacked by... I don't remember who their name was. I believe... Well, it was the woman, and it was... um... Yeah, it was the woman and the uh, guy. I think think it was Proxima Midnight and Corvus Glaive, I believe, were the two. Yeah, Proxima Midnight and Corvus Glaive. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, You see Glaive with that weapon of his Mm -hmm. uh, stab Vision directly from behind him through the chest. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. Which which kept it, it was interfering with his ability to phase away. Mm-hmm. So they were stuck in there. You see uh, what ends up leading to another nice little fight between Vision and Glaive and then Wanda and uh, Proxima. Yep, until... Until, uh, I want to say it was... Uh, Proxima proceeds to throw uh, her spear at Wanda. Which one? Then we just see the spear get caught. Um, no, it, it no, it, yeah. it no. Wanda and the Vision were laying here, and the train was going by, and Proxima sensed somebody, and she saw somebody in the distance across. Oh the yeah, train, that's and right, that's right, it. that's right. She mm-hmm. went to go throw the uh, spear that way. Mm-hmm. And at which point, then we just see it get caught, and we see. The captain come out of the shadows. I love the music here. The Avengers theme kicks into high gear here during this whole part, and that is just And then, not only awesome. that, we then see Black Widow come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Falcon flying in and attacking Glaive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, this whole sequence is just cool. The music, the fight, and it just, the way good. that it's, it's like, they had uh, Corvus Glaive and Proxima Midnight on the ropes, down on their knees, and it looked like they were about to kill them uh-huh. when you saw them get beamed up mm-hmm. yeah, beam with up, uh, Midnight yeah. saying that they'll never have the chance again. Well, that comes later. They do, but... Well, yeah, that but... That comes later. 
Um, but yeah, at this point, then this is where they're going to have to travel to Wakanda to go after Bucky because they're going to need an extra extra pair of hands because they know what's yeah, they know so what's which coming. Which means that that this ends up leading us to Wakanda, mm-hmm, where they're going to try to get the extract the stone from. What? Oh, first it leads to uh, uh, T'Challa talking to I want to say it was Okoye. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talking about how them. What was the, what was the whole thing that they were talking about? Uh, some with the White Wolf, which, by the way, is Bucky. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of like a spiritual tribal name that they have for him. Which they brought, they walked up to him as he was working. You see Bucky with his only one arm, mm-hmm. and in the case that they were carrying, looked like a completely bionic arm. Yeah, it's probably what uh Made out, I'm was updated. vibranium. Yeah, it was updated with Wakanda technology. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I mean to me this to me this 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 almost feels like a sequence where we're kind of almost I'm getting this this feeling of Bucky becoming Captain America at this moment. This is, I'm kind of getting those vibes. I'm getting those those feelings that it's coming. Well, it's understandable to think that. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's coming. We know it's coming. It's not a question of if; it's a question of when. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, we come back to um, where the other the guardians are going to nowhere to try to find the other stone, and Thanos already beats them there. Where it made it, it's it almost seems like uh, you know Thanos is in the middle of. Uh, interrogating the collector, the collector mm-hmm. trying to find the stone, right? Uh, the reality stone, by the way. Reality, yeah. At which point, then you see, all you see, Star Lord, Gamora, Drax, and Mantis all taking positions. You see, uh, Star Lord, how do I telling him to, you know, telling Gamora to, you know, go right. And she goes left. And you just see them all start going the same way that Gamora's going. Yeah, they don't listen to him. The big thing is they see uh, Drax. Drax sees Thanos and almost blindly goes into a uh, blackout rage, go ready, getting ready to uh, try attack him. Mm-hmm. They have to put Thanos to, or they have to potentially have Mantis put uh, Drax to sleep, which causes him to Typical crash Drax. to the ground. Typical Drax can never keep his cool. Always getting them into sticky situations. Which that ends up causing them to, or Thanos to notice that there's people there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, but then you know, as Gamora attacks, this leads to well. It leads us to it leads to Gamora stabbing Thanos, and almost makes it seem like uh, you know Thanos had died. You see Gamora crying her eyes out because it all sounds like she still cares, right? But when you it, the reality is that Thanos had the Reality Stone already had the Reality Stone was showing him reality that you know. They wanted right, right, and this 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 whole thing, this whole thing with this this dynamic, especially between Gamora and and Thanos, this this fatherly daughter kind of thing. I mean, we 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 were hinted at it quite a bit in the Guardians film, especially the first one. Um, 
and to see it finally come full head of steam here is, is kind of refreshing. So you see, uh, like, before they actually get there, you see a little um, background, like a little backstory to that. The with, flashback uh, when she's a child, yes. that when I, Gamora was a child and Thanos had, had invaded their planet. See, this is where this is where the movie's also smart because you know later in the film when Gamora gets killed, th- without these flashback scenes, you you would lose a lot. You would lose the emotional connection. Yeah, but you see, so you see that uh, uh, Gamora had been separated from her mother, right? And she actually ended up running into Thanos, who Thanos ends up you know, stooping down to her level and, you know, asked her, tells her that she's good at fighting, like, what are you looking for? And Gamora's like, you know, where's my mother? So, and we get, you know, a little back and forth dialogue to them. See Thanos leading Gamora away, showing her a little two-sided blade that was perfectly balanced, you know, how Thanos actually foreshadows everything that he does really mm-hmm. how it's the perfect balance one leaning more one way or the other and throws mm-hmm. the balance completely off right and has her try it as you see in the background half of the population gets killed mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's it, it, it it's like it's the foreshadowing but at the same time he's distracting her from what's actually happening behind him and i you think know... it was because he caught uh, like he like it's something about Gamora like really caught his attention and you know something was, was special to... about her that that's the one thing that I find interesting is that they never really clarify what he found so interesting about her why he was so thing with her why did he love her so much they never really dig and divulge into that maybe that'll come up more so in part 2 because i mean we do get the hint of it briefly at the end of the movie where right at the end he sees the child Gamora yeah, and he says, you know, she asks if it's done and was it worth it. I feel like it's gonna it, it, we're gonna divulge more into this whole whole thing because I feel like that we don't really know why he has this connection with her, and that's the one thing that I had a problem with, especially when he when he kills her to get the soul stone because it's like, why does he love her? Why is he more connected to her than he was to Nebula? What is it exactly? Yeah, yeah that's something that I feel needs a little bit more clarification going forward, so we'll see if we get anything like that later on. Um, so, uh, Thanos does get the uh, the reality stone, and he ends up taking Gamora. Which, this leads to the whole thing about, you know, how I, it ends up leading to him using the powers of the reality stone on uh, Drax and Mantis. Right. Which... In the it, that was actually taken um, directly from another point in the comics where he used the exact same methods on Nebula and Eros. Nice touch. Again, another nice comic touch. I mean, it's obviously not going to be the same characters that he used them on, right? But they're still they're still following a lot of the comics base, which I thought was great about these films. Well, yeah, I mean, Marvel's really good. I mean, they won't follow the comics precisely because they want to keep some surprise in the mind of the, of, of the people that do follow the comics very closely, but it's nice that they're still including little bits and pieces, especially little Easter eggs thrown in there and such, that they're really keeping things true to the material without making things overly predictable. Yeah, which is a nice thing. And then how it ends up leading... This whole day after that leads to how... Uh, Star Lord uh, had promised uh, 
Gamora that um, if Thanos had gotten a hold of her, mm-hmm. that uh, or that got her, that Star Lord would kill her. Right. And you see it with like great emotion in his eyes, like almost like holding Powerful. back tears, like telling her that you should, or t- yeah, telling her you should have went right as he put the uh, as he pointed the uh, blaster to her to her mm-hmm. and pulled the trigger as that you know Thanos was essentially egging this on like you don't have the balls to do this essentially mm-hmm. pushed her forward to him hey. at which point he go he pulls the trigger but power of the reality stone you know makes obviously that that's not gonna happen because mm-hmm. all you see was just bubbles coming out of it yeah, have you noticed throughout this movie that Thanos has a little bit of an obsession with bubbles? I don't think it's so much bubbles as it was that, you know, just uh, playing games with them. Yeah. At which point that you see how you see Thanos as a smirk as he phases away with Gamora, looks at Star-Lord and is like, I like you. <laughs> yeah, Thanos, I mean, if Thanos likes you, <laughs> he probably got a problem. Which I'm, which we're going to end up getting into that discussion later. Yeah, yeah, we'll get more into that whole, the whole thing there. Um, All right, this leads us to. Okay, so after the after Gamora disappears, um, we kind of we come back to. I want to say this leads us to Thor, um, and. Uh, Rocket on the no, way to Nidavellir? No, we go back to um, Stark and Peter and Doctor Strange on the ship with okay. um, with Ebony Maw. With Ebony Maw having Strange captured mm-hmm. and trying to torture uh, Strange into giving him the stone. Mm-hmm. Which leads to, you know, a funny little reference to um, that... Uh, Parker, aka Spider-Man, obviously makes to uh, Stark saying, "You know, have you ever seen the movie Aliens?" <laughs> oh Which, yeah. I'll let you go into that one. What happens? Um, yeah, because in the movie Aliens, if you've seen it before, um, Ripley uses the the method of in order to get rid of the alien that's on the ship. She she opens the bay doors to suck the alien into space. So therefore, it leads Parker's theory to blast a hole in the ship. It'll suck Ebony Maw through it and kill him. That's his big master plan, which works almost to Peter's demise, except for his big ass spider legs that comes out of his suit, which, by the way, is badass. Oh yeah, the fact that it actually had the spider legs coming out of there just was awesome. Yes. Oh God, yeah, that was awesome. I love. That's my favorite part of the suit. I. That's just freaking awesome. And then you've got... Uh, so after that, they end up deciding to take a course to Titan. Yes. Which was Thanos' planet. Well, think about this, too. You know, um, what leads to Titan is, too, this big, huge, butting heads disagreement between Doctor Strange and Iron Man. I mean, there's there's a, there's a power struggle going on here. Because Iron Man has always been bullheaded, thinking that he was always the one that was the leader. And in a sense, he always was... But Tony doesn't always have the best intentions in mind. Exactly. He he sometimes lets his ego get in the way of of of, of allowing you know common sense to to take over here. And, and oh yeah, of course. And you know, Doctor Strange. I mean, I, I I partially agree with what Tony does here, but at the same time, think about this: if Tony doesn't go to Titan and they go back to Earth, 
At this point, they don't even go back to Earth. They're on this ship. Thanos doesn't know where they are, which means the Time Stone right now is very safe. Okay? They could stay on this ship, and they could stay traveling through space, and Thanos is not going to know where they are. Eventually, he'll come looking, yes. But think about how much more time they could have bought instead of going to Titan, where Thanos ends up going anyway, which is his home planet. It's like going right to him, and not yeah. necessarily the best idea. Exactly. But they go to Titan anyway, you know, against my better judgment, and thanks to Tony Stark. Um, so uh, it's at this point we um, go back to Thor and uh, Nidavellir, where we get to see him and Eltiri creating the battle axe for kill Thanos. Well, let's go on to something here real quick, though, before that, because you got Thor who's lamenting everything that he's lost up to this point yeah. already in this film, and then everything that had happened in the prior films before this. Right. And this is a great thing that happened here. As you see uh, Rocket uh, deciding to, you know, comfort Thor... He says to himself, you know, time to be the captain now. Yeah, it's funny you mention that. Be Which, when people think about this, it was actually amazing, amazing foreshadowing. Yeah, I, I see what you're talking about now. Because, yeah. you know, when he decided to comfort Thor and say, you know, it was time to be the captain now, he literally ended up becoming the captain at the end of all this, of the, Gar of the Guardians, because he's the last remaining Guardian at the end of everything. Well, it's like it's like too when Rocket also tells Thor that he has many things to lose, and ultimately Rocket loses everything in the end. Exactly. There's a, there's a ton of foreshadowing in this movie with these lines of dialogue. It's it's actually mind blowing when you really go back and look at it now, and knowing it, it's like wow, they, they this is just loaded with foreshadowing, which is great. I mean that's that's great. I I love that. That's that's great writing. Yeah. So and then after all this, they do end up getting to uh, Nita Valir. Mm -hmm. And after actually, Rocket ends up giving him an eye that he ended up taking, <laughs> which it almost sounds like there was a little comedy aspect in there at first because Dora was like, "This eye must not be working. It's all dark out. Mm -hmm. It's all dark." When we really see that uh, Nita Valir's uh, star was a or forge was essentially all out, right? And one of the things that I love the most about this is that the drawers were these nine-foot-tall giants that no one would have expected, and the best surprise of them all, which made me laugh my ass off the entire time during all this, even during the series parts, is the fact that they had Peter Dinklage as <laughs> one uh, that met them. And you know what the mind-blowing thing is, too? For him being, you know, small, to make him... A giant in this. Exactly. Yeah, that's just, yeah. That, that. You know, I, I, before we continue, so we're talking about Nidavellir, I got one more bit of kind of symbolism slash uh, foreshadowing for this. Yeah. Okay, so Nidavellir, in Norse mythology, it actually means darkness or home, the world of darkness. Which makes sense. Right, because you know how when Rocket, you said Rocket said about how it's dark and this and that, yeah, world of darkness. It, 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 again, it's these little things that they just throw in here. It's interesting pieces of information that has so much. There's so many meanings of words here that just it. Mm, wow, I, 
I'm going to have to go into a lot of other movies here and find out more about more foreshadowing because I don't think I've ever seen so much in a movie. Uh, I know. It's insane. It really is. I loved every last bit of it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um... So this is a great sequence on the end of Valir. I, I like the sequence. Again, Thor Thor is my Thor is my favorite character in the Marvel Universe. I mean, they're my favorite movies. Uh, tied with Guardians. They're kind of evened up with me. But I like this because right now, you know, we're mixing Thor with Guardians and two of my favorites mixed together. So, of course, these are my favorite sequences of the film. But I especially like this, too, because at this point, we're starting to see Thor's emotional struggles. I mean, we're realizing he's willing to sacrifice himself for this for this purpose. I mean, he's lost everything, so he's willing to sacrifice himself to create this axe that can kill Thanos. Which point that you see him willing to... Because you, know, you see how they were able to oh, get the uh, forge started, but it had gone out. That said it was going to take a few minutes for it to recharge. Which means the star impact was going to hit Thor in order to create this, which could have killed him. Which Thor had said that he was willing to hold open... Everything mm-hmm. that was needed, right, to make it happen, and you know, you see, what was the dwarf's name again? The whose name? The dwarf's name again. Oh, the the, the dwarf's name. Um, uh, it's it's Iteri. Yes, uh, You see him saying that how it would essentially be like he's be taking the power, he'd be taking the full force of a star. Mm-hmm. And how it would be like suicide, right? And Thor is how Thor is right now. It's essentially it's just if we don't do anything at all, it's essentially suicide anyway. Well, right, because there's nothing else that's going to kill Thor. So at this point, you know, we really don't have. Or you see, actually, no, you see Thor be like, "That's only if it kills me." That was kind of a funny thing because you see a little funny moment there because you see it. It'll Terry be like uh, that. That's what suicide causes. <laughs> Means death. <laughs> yeah. uh, Peter Dinklage, man, he the way he delivers a line is. Uh, fuck. All right, so. All right, I'm gonna come right back. You talk a little bit more about what comes next, and I'll be right back. So I was actually gonna ask you what ended up coming next in the film. Oh, okay, I'll lead you into it. Um, this leads us back to to Titan, where uh, Stark and all of them are planning on how they're gonna come up with this plan to take down Thanos to get the next stone. Alright, so yeah, this does end up leading us back to a scene on Titan where you've got Strange, Stark, and the rest of them that had gone along with them to Titan, uh, talking about how trying to figure out what exactly, what plan they have to uh, take out Thanos. Like, what could they possibly do in order to stop them from getting the time stone? Stop them from getting, stop him from essentially completing the Infinity Gauntlet. Which then uh, Stark happens to look over and see how Strange is in the air meditating, and just sees him essentially. It looks like he's convulsing almost, but we find out that you know he had gone into the future and looked at all the different outcomes uh different futures that could have possibly happened which we find out that there's some uh, some like 14 million different outcomes to uh everything that this was all going to lead to which start asked the question of 
how many of those do we win? Which one you see a very serious pause from Strange is like only one. Which we'll get into with that in a little bit here because there's something interesting that happens at this point that uh happens later on when Thanos comes to Titan. So, this next part here was... What now, Mike? Okay. What to say this led us to Vormir... Or, no, this led us to, uh... On the ship. Uh, um, on the Thanos' ship. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, um... So, after the group forms the plan, you got into all that. So, you, you talked about the, the Doctor Strange plan yeah. and, and so on and so forth. Okay. Um... On the ship, on the ship, on the ship. Oh, okay, no. Actually, what happens here at this point, we go to, um, Vormir. No, because this, uh, they had talked about, because they had talked about what it had to uh, happen on, like, where the stone was. Yeah, 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 Gamora and him talk, and that's where we see Nebula get, being tortured. That's right, that's right. Um, again, this is a good scene, because we're seeing the sisterly-fatherly dynamic here. We're getting more insight into this. We're seeing that Nebula was always like the ugly duckling child. She was treated terribly. Um, she's definitely far from the favorite. I mean, Thanos is willing to torture the shit out of her to get what he wants. Um, but she, we know, this is, and this is a note too, and this is why I'm, that my theory here is that Nebula might in fact be the one that ultimately ends up killing Thanos, because, this might be more foreshadowing, because Thanos talks about how Nebula was the closest one to killing him. And this might be something that's going to come forth later. She's come the closest. She almost killed him. So, you know, um, this is a really fucked up family. Plain and simple. It's a fucked up family. And um, this, this, this scene here leads right into Vormir because in order to save Nebula's life from being tortured... Gamora reveals where the Soul Stone actually is, which I don't really know exactly how she, how she knew where the Soul Stone was. Did they ever talk about the Soul Stone in Guardians? I don't recall it. They might have. I might have missed it, though. Yeah, I might have to go back and watch Guardians and see, because but, I remember this ever being so brought up. When they get to Vormir, uh, right. uh, they're greeted by this figure that had that was talking to them and what was it that he said how he was essentially uh cursed by this play cursed because he had uh tried to when he was younger go after the stones himself and came to that place to get the soul stone and he couldn't so it was like he was forever cursed to Lead other lead other fools. You're talking about Red Skull. You're talking about Red Skull, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know the thing about Red Skull is, I mean, it was great to see him again. From you know, because we haven't seen him since shit, shit Cap One. I mean, it's been forever. We never really know what happened to him, so it was interesting to kind of learn more about him. I I kind of wish we'd got more insight into that to find out, you know, how he got there and how did he, you know, survive at the end of Cap One because we were left to think that he had perished in the in the plane crash and everything the captain took care of him yeah but um so you know red skull now being the keeper of the soul stone of Vormir, he informs thanos that the stone can only be retrieved by sacrificing someone he loves well gamora doesn't think he loves anything because you see thanos just standing there looking like looking like he's like almost distraught right like he doesn't know what to do 
he, he's, and he's you confused. see, you hear Gamora uh, essentially just claiming victory. Like, doesn't matter what happens to them at this point. Thanos would never be able to complete his end goal of uh, completing the Infinity Gauntlet. At which point, then Thanos turns around, and you know he how she says that uh, he doesn't love anyone. Which point, then you see Thanos turn around and tears in his eyes. Yeah, Gamora a... mentions how, you know, you're crying, and which point then you hear Red Skull say one of the most chilling lines in the movie, in my opinion, one of the most chilling lines in the series, really, those tears aren't for him. Yeah, Red Skull claiming, and it's, yeah, that, that's what I'm, I, I remember when I, saw the, when I saw the movie, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, fuck point then you see Gamora going out like what you're gonna kill me and Thanos yeah. mentioning how he had uh, defied his destiny once he wasn't gonna let it happen again what a fucking dick we'll get into that like I said Mike me and you have our difference of opinion but we lead to this long dramatic score playing as he takes Gamora and drags her over to the edge of the cliff mm. and throws her off oh, thus sacrificing her but it does prove that he did in fact love Gamora because he was able to retrieve the soul stone right you know I, I, I as, as you're talking about this I, I'm, I'm reading something very interesting about this Vormir scene and it's two interesting things. And I want you to think about this. So, somebody says they had noticed in the scene when they arrive at Vormir and Red Skull appears, Thanos is protecting Gamora when Red Skull shows up. It shows in that part alone that he really cares about Gamora even before that scene builds up to it. And they said, here's something that a lot of people might not have caught. Thanos acts like a fond father who is amused by his rebellious teenager daughter Gamora acting out against him. Until the Soul Stone scene, he isn't cruel to her like he is with Nebula. That's why the whole Thanos actually caring about Gamora thing doesn't come off as unbelievable or weird. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And going back to actually what we talked about prior to this, Mike, mm -hmm. uh, something I just found actually... How Thor's eyes actually have different colors now. Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah. Uh, and that yeah. Thor can now summon the Bifrost on his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can. Um, did you also notice how his new eye was also uh, orange? Like Heimdall's? Mm, I don't think I did. I'll have to watch that closely. You're going to have to look, take a look at that closely because it was... Uh, orange like Heimdall's, which means that the eye that Rabbit, that, uh, Rabbit, as Thor likes to call, refer to Rocket as, took, was from Heimdall. Was it from Heimdall or was it from, from another kind of Heimdall species? Orange like Heimdall's. Hmm. Well, that would actually make sense, because, I mean, when the ship exploded, I mean, everything was everywhere. So, did Rocket actually find the eye floating in space? As far as we know, who knows? That, that That's my theory, unless there's another way, but yeah, I mean... 
Hmm. That's interesting, which would make sense why he's able to summon the Bifrost the way he is. That makes a whole lot of fucking sense. But this goes into the actual creation of the axe at this point, which is Stormbreaker. <laughs> oh, God, I love this But you see thing. Thor go to where he needed to go in order to start the forge up, and you see him being able to hold on to the power of this star, being able to take the full mm -hmm. power of it to get the forge started. You see the lava essentially coming down and melting that iron, mm -hmm. and you have Ilteri uh, breaking apart the, um, the mold that was holding uh, the pieces of, what the hell was it, uh, Stormbreaker, mm -hmm. and how he's like, he was looking around, couldn't find the handle, he goes out to, you know, you know, find that where find a handle for it, mm -hmm. you see, did you catch how Groot looked, uh, over, looked at everything, mm -hmm. looked at Thor, looked at that, and ends up, mm -hmm. essentially taking his arm molding the pieces of uh, Stormbreaker together and cut it off. Mm -hmm. What you didn't notice, uh, what you to think about this, Mike, I wish that you were a fan of the comics at all. Because... I followed him more closely than what I have. When he extends the arm to uh, grab the pieces of Stormbreaker mm -hmm. and holds it up before slicing his arm off... Right. Um... It's almost as if he's actually wielding a weapon himself, which, if you think about it, it's it's a reference to Groot being a member of the Thor Corps in the comics. Hmm. Because Groot was a member of the Thor Corps in the comics at one point. Huh, that's interesting. Because remember, that's Thor cool. That's could cool. Speak, Thor and other Asgardians could speak Groot. So apparently it was an elective. Huh. I didn't think of it that way. Holy shit. That's kind of mind-blowing when you really think about it. Exactly. Huh. Alright, but going wow. back on. So after the creation of Stormbreaker... Um, yeah, after the creation of Stormbreaker, um, this, we, we, we jump away for a while. We go back to the battle um, on Titan. Yes, where... We have Thanos appearing on Titan, notices how something seems off. I want to say, well, who was it that he saw? Strange or was it uh, Stark? Uh, Strange was sitting there. Yeah, and that we get that amazing sequence, that fight happening. Mm -hmm. Great sequence. Great effects. At which point then we have we see that they all have, they all combine their efforts together to pin down Thanos mm -hmm. to get the gauntlet on him. Mantis using her powers to uh, oh, God, yeah. put him, to keep him still long enough for them to get the gauntlet off him, which would make him weak enough that they could take him out. This is where the movie pisses me off. The, no, the movie, movie doesn't piss me off. It's well, Star Lord. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, Quill. It's, it's, it's Quill. Yeah, Quill pisses me off here. But the, yeah, but 
It's because why you see Just him why? going on about that. And he goes, he's going on about where's Gamora mm-hmm. when he's looking at uh, Thanos on his knees there, struggling to get away from everyone. Mm-hmm. Which point then you hear Nebula, who had uh, gone with them, and talked about how. Thanos has the Soul Stone now. Gamora didn't come back. You see Quill get really emotional yeah. and pissed off. Yeah. Which leads to, uh, you know, yeah. him asking, why'd you, uh, you know, why'd you do it? Why'd you kill Gamora? You hear Thanos say, it's because I had to. Yeah, oh, God, this frustrates the fuck out of me. Quill goes off on Thanos, leading to, because they almost had the glove complete, the gauntlet completely off of him. Uh Thanos wakes out of the uh, mental state that Mantis had uh, him in. Yep, grabs the gauntlet back away from him. Proceeds to beat the ever-loving hell out of every single one of the Avengers that Literally, were there. Really crushed the fucking shit out of them. Uh, you see an epic little sequence between him and Strange where Strange cloned himself multiple times in order to uh, take out Thanos. And even that didn't work. Because uh, this is a little detail that I'm sure that you didn't notice at all, Mike. If you take a close look at the gauntlet, uh, he used the Soul Stone to track the real Strange. Oh, yeah, because the gauntlet did light up. And he finds out which has a soul to break the spell in their fight. Well, smart move. I mean, absolutely. Which, what, then he proceeds to crush the Eye of Agamotto, knowing that it's a fake. Kazuntite. Thank you. Um... But what happens at this point then? It was uh, the fight sequence between him and, and Tony Stark. Um, w- w- before I go into that, uh, the one thing that bothers me, maybe, maybe you, you and I can discuss this, because this, I, I also I kept walking out of the theater. I've seen this movie three times, and I walk out every time with this big question, and nobody can seem to answer it for me. After Quill does this, and it results in him pulling the, the gauntlet back on, why doesn't Strange use the time stone to go back to change that event? Why doesn't Strange use the time stone to go back and change the event? And why in the event to stop Quill from doing that to Thanos so they can get the gauntlet off? Because I want you to think about this and what we had discussed earlier, or rather when you end up going away for a minute there, mm-hmm. how the all the possible outcomes where Strange had got looked at and all how many they would won, how many of them were of them winning. That's true. That's true. And he only had, any, you know, Strange had said only one. Maybe this is leading to that. That's true. Maybe he saw that outcome. Maybe it was a matter that. of he had to lose on purpose. Right. That That's that's probably, yeah, that, that does make sense. Um yeah, I get that. That's really the only logical thing that I could probably come up with too. I mean, it makes sense. 
but, but then yeah. you end up seeing like ends up leading to a whole big sequence between Tony and and Thanos. Tony and Thanos, were, and then uh, Tony essentially getting destroyed by Thanos. Well, like on his like about to be killed. At which point, then you hear Strange tell Thanos, you know. Spare him, and I'll give you this time stone. Well, in this moment, before Strange does this, I I honestly thought at this moment, this, Tony might die here. I thought it might oh, happen yeah. here. I really did. I thought this this is this is fitting. This could be it. Exactly, especially after the revelation, you know, that this was probably that this that they you know him and Pepper were gonna have were maybe gonna end up you right. know settling down after all this. You figure that this is gonna be how. Tony's end was going to be. Right, I thought for sure this was it for him, and I was ready getting to the point where I was like, oh, fuck, but man. You, but when it gets to that point, and then it's strange, stops Thanos, but like, and saves you him. spare him, I'll give you the time stone, no tricks or anything like that. Right. And if you realize, if you, this is just a little detail, I don't know if anyone else noticed this too, it's a small thing. Uh, when Doctor Strange gives Thanos the time stone, you could see the scars on Doctor Strange's hands. You know, his hands were still trembling because of the injury. That's true. I thought that was funny. That's funny that you mentioned that because I recall that. That's why? Yeah. Son of a bitch. At least that makes sense now. So, you see that happening and then you see Thanos... Going, getting out of there, mm-hmm. which then I want to say leads us to back to Wakanda now. Yeah, this is where this whole thing goes down. This is where the big battle is going to start going. But they had so what this whole big thing was that that they brought uh they went to Wakanda was um uh Steve Rogers had contacted T'Challa about trying to find a way to get the stone out of Vision's head without... Killing him. Killing him. Right. And they supposedly had a way to do it in Wakanda, so they had met up... They had met... They had uh, flown to Wakanda to go get this taken care of. Mm-hmm. Which then leads to... They all notice a huge war about to break out. Mm-hmm. A huge battle, and... This is where you see the lines start to get drawn as to... Where everyone is. Yeah, this is where everything shit's hitting the fan. Everybody's kind of ready for war. You got Black Panther involved. You got, uh, you got Bruce, which is in this Hulk Buster Tony Stark uh, armor, which is pretty badass. Um, you've got um, Natasha there. You've got all the every almost every character we saw in Black Panther is here. We see them all. Um, so, and this shit's about to go down. All these ships are crashing, and these, uh, these creature-like things. They're trying to, they're like animal creatures that are that that come through the wall. They're outriders. And, yeah, I mean that's a technical name, but yeah, they're, they kind of look like rabbit animals or whatever you want to say. But um, before we get into that, real quick, uh, so I want you to realize something here, Mike. Uh, so you know how when, uh, after. Strange ended up giving up the Time Stone to Thanos. Out, Stark goes over to him and asks him, you know, why? Mm-hmm. And it's, he, Strange replies, you know, 
I had to do it. This the end game. The end game now, right? In Age of Ultron, Stark had said this specific line: "We're the Avengers. We can bust arm de- arms dealers all the live long day, but that up there, that's the end game." <laughs> so this whole thing was a reference to that. Yeah. Again, more more foreshadowing. This... Uh, this is essentially what you could sense was, you know, you could just sense that this is it here. Mm-hmm. That this is what the last ten years of the Marvel Studios has built up to. You know, this is what we've all waited for. Right. This is the, and that makes sense. I mean, again, that that right there, that line is like the ultimate foreshadowing, right there. That that really is. I mean, that's yeah. I mean. Wow, wow, um, yeah. So I mean, as we as okay, so this fight goes on. Um, uh, shit's hitting the fan. Everybody's getting attacked. They let the creatures in the wall. Um, they're fighting. They ended up letting them into the wall because they had they the uh, outriders had started circling around the perimeter of the um. A little barrier that was around Wakanda. Correct. So, if they circled around and got behind to where Vision was, mm-hmm. then that was essentially it right there. Right. So T'Challa made the decision to uh, let down, let the barrier open at, at a point. You know, at which point then Okoye had said that you know this would be the end of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Which one? Then you know he all he said was after the, that he said he said that after the battle there will be nothing left but dust and blood. And that's exactly Let what this there was. be. This will be the greatest ending in history of uh, Wakanda, or not of Wakanda, but in history. This will be the greatest ending in history. Then, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's. I mean, we come back. We come back, and it's just there's just so much foreshadowing here. I mean, it's. It, but so, after this point, we get to where this all starting to happen now. With the fight on Wakanda. Yeah, this this all leads to um, they're fighting, they're fighting, they're they're getting kind of beat up, and then then you see Thor, Thor best coming. In. Thor, I'm sorry, Lizardoid is the MVP of the MCU. Okay, for, first of all, it took him. It took 19 films, 19 films, but Thor. Is the real MVP? First, first thing, first thing, this is the best moment in the movie. Number one, number two, this scene right here just showed why Thor is the ultimate Avenger, hands down, hands down. And then it turns into you know how he takes out a wave of the Outriders by himself by smashing Stormbreaker into the ground. Mm-hmm. He sees uh, the captain. And you know they go. They have their little witty banter, uh-huh. you know, bits with uh, Rogers saying that you know how Thor had cut his hair, and Thor uh, retorting back to them, you know, how he was growing a beard to look like Thor. Uh-huh. At which point, then he points out to you uh, go. He points out to Rogers, you know. By the way, this is my friend. His name is Tree. <laughs> At which point, that you see uh... how. Uh, Groot stabs three outriders at one time. 
you just see him say, I am Groot. You just see one of the funny lines in this film is like, I am Steve, Steve Rogers. Rogers. Such good shit. But think about this, though, Mike. That actually was a f- detail that I noticed, too, because I remembered some. I went back and watched a lot of the Avengers films before mm-hmm. I watched Infinity War. Mm-hmm. This is one detail that I picked up on. That move where he stabbed the three Outriders at once there? Yeah. Same one that his dad used in the first Guardian of the Galaxy movie when he took out a bunch of Ronin's goons aboard the ship. <laughs> oh. Mind overblown with foreshadowing. Uh, but then it goes back into where they're trying to, they're struggling to, you know, speed up the pace in order to take out the uh, Mind Stone from Vision. Yeah. Glaive, Glaive and Proxima Midnight had finally, had been thrown into the battlefield now. And uh, Glaive had gone and attacked uh, where Vision was after Scarlet Witch had held back mm-hmm. um, a number of the Outriders and s- took them out. Yeah, it, it. So they went and then attacked uh, where everything was weakened. Glaive had proceeded to take out everyone that was working on Vision there. Mm-hmm. And next thing you see is uh, everyone panicking with, like, who's, someone's got to get back and watch Vision. You see Vision flying out, carrying Glaive, them fighting. Uh-huh. And how this was a great moment of, uh, you know, revenge in this sense. Because, you know, how Glaive stabs Vision at first, back at the beginning of the film, like in Scotland. Uh-huh. And Vision kills him by stabbing him in the back with the same exact weapon. Yeah. Same thing how... Uh, where was it? Proxima, you know, attacks Wanda first in the same area, and Wanda's the one that finally kills her. Well, it's like if you look later in the movie, too, you know, when, 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 um, Thanos does the snap and kills people, you know, we always talk about how he kills half people, right? Well, the final snap did actually kill half the people that were still alive in the finale. Ten were alive, Cap, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, Widow, War Machine, Rocket, Nebula, Akoya and Mbaku, and ten died. Black Panther, Spider-Man, Strange, Bucky, Wanda, Falcon, Star-Lord, Drax, Mantis, and Groot. You know, this is is just... This is... I come to conclusion. This is what this movie does. This movie should not be called Avengers Infinity War. It should be called Avengers Foreshadowing. Or just call it Foreshadow. Because that is what this whole thing really is. And that's the way it should be. It's the end. Going back to this... uh, So... This is where we see Thanos make his appearance onto the battlefield. Yeah, this is this scene's like because really fucking. They dramatic. had uh, <coughs> Vision had finally managed to convince Wanda to destroy the Mind Stone, which in turn would have killed Vision. But there was it, it needed to happen, so he couldn't complete the gauntlet. Everyone holding back Thanos as much as they can. With no success. With no success, just that way she could take out, uh, or she could destroy the Mind Stone, Mm -hmm. which she eventually does, which causes, you know, Vision to completely 
uh, disintegrate and blow up. Mm-hmm. How Thanos looks at him is, you know, I've lost much today. I know what it is that you've gone through. Right. And- which we see the power of the mind, of the time stone being used then, which he goes to rewind back time to right before this happens. Mm-hmm. He brings Vision back only to kill him again by ripping out the time stone from his forehead. What a fucking dick. It makes you feel bad for Vision because he died twice. Yeah, that, that yeah, Vision definitely uh, gets his ass uh, dies whooped. twice in a matter of minutes. <laughs> oh, this is an emotional scene, and and you know he finally gets the stone, and he finally gets the stone complete, like gets the stone from Vision, gets everything put together. He gets the gauntlet all completed. And Thor comes in, Thor badass. comes in with Stormbreaker, hurls it into Thanos' chest, and it looks like, you know, Thanos actually might be done. One of the most badass scenes in this film was this point where, you know, Thor, like, I told you that I, you would pay for that. Mm-hmm. Which point you see Thanos struggling, is like, you should have aimed for the head. And that's when we see the snap of the fingers. Which leads us to an interesting part with the whole thing of him talking to baby or child Gamora because, you know, she talks to him about, you know... Is, did, you com- did you complete it? Right. And he's like, yes, and what did it cost you? So, and you see him, you know, dis- you know, despair in his voice, like, everything. Right. Which, put then, this is where things got really emotional because then you just start seeing everyone... Disappear. Start disappearing. Into dust. Ashes and dust. And this is, oh god, this is so freaking emotional. You know, and... Because you see, the, one of the real first major ones was when uh, Black Pit was when T'Challa pulled Okoye's arms like, this is not a place to die. And you see him just disintegrate right after that. Well, two, is that, you know, you notice in the scene where, like, Peter Parker panicked. That was because of his spider sense. Well, yeah. And Mantis, with her empathetic abilities, she felt you know, that something felt was going that wrong. She felt something was going wrong. Yeah. R- right. Right. It, it, it's 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 these little we get these little moments of it's what's kind of cool is that you know they didn't just make everybody disappear at one time and didn't have moments they they took the time to show each character disappearing and give them kind of like a moment of their own you know building up to it which was great. Exactly, and then you've got. Um... All right, so that was essentially where the film ended off, was that you see Thanos really looking like at the end of the film how he's treated it, like he's completed it. It seems like he's finally at peace. He's at peace, and you get, but you get a sense of, you get, the, you get the alone feeling. You know, you get the sense that maybe he's feeling a little bit of the, I'm alone, I completed it, but I'm, I'm really alone. It cost me everything to the point where I'm just... I got nothing now. Exactly. But now we can... Now, we've gone over the film now. The end credits scene. Oh, yeah, with Fury and Maria Hill and Captain Marvel. Well, not so much Captain Marvel yet, but... The hint at Captain yeah. Marvel. Yeah. But you see... Maria Hill and Nick Fury driving along. They 
back, they crash into the back of uh, another car. Mm-hmm. They realize everything that's going on. They see the helicopter in the sky that, uh, you know, crashed into the building. Mm-hmm. You want to know something interesting? Nick Fury and Maria Hill, the car they were driving, was an Infinity. I know. Now tell <laughs> I mean, again, I mean, it's, Jesus Everybody Christ. Everything just ties so well in this film. Like, yeah. it's got these great moments. They took time with this. But it was when you see Maria Hill start disappearing, and you see Nick Fury getting the, you know, get away trying to make the, trying to send the signal and Before everything passes, for his yeah. distress help. And you see him disappear. You see the little pager that's on the ground. You see sending. And what do we see at the end credits scene there? Captain Marvel symbol. The symbol of Captain Marvel. You forgot to mention one thing, though. Huh? The, the classic Sam Jackson moment when he basically says, Oh, yeah, when he was Mother... Disappears. That's the closest he'll come to, to dropping that line in a Marvel movie. But of course, you know, in typical Sam Jackson, we gotta give him that moment. Exactly. Great moment. All right. That concludes the the movie. I mean, that that's it. So now, very somber, very somber tone. The first Marvel movie ever to end depressing. Let's start discussing this movie and other everything else. Oh boy. Well. I'll tell you this. Oh, I. I'm going to leave this off first by saying I don't think that they're dead. I don't think the people that were killed that that were disappeared during the snap are dead. Well, this is the, this is the movie's biggest issue. The reason why you lose a little bit of emotional impact here is because we know characters like Bat, Black Panther, and Spider Man, and Doctor Strange. They're not going to be dead because they got future movies to come. We know this. Well, yeah, I know that, but I'm talking about. Like one of the reasons that people don't realize that, obviously, they don't mm-hmm. think about that stuff. Yeah. But when uh, everyone disappears after Thanos snaps, if you look at this a little closely, mm-hmm. I don't know how much of this you have paid attention to, mm-hmm. the animation from them disappearing, mm-hmm. it's almost exactly like when Kaiselius and his disciples... Uh, get taken into the Dormammu dimension. Which means they probably didn't die. They didn't die. They were taken into another dimension. Yeah. I have a feeling they were taken into this dimension of the Soul Stone. Yeah, that's what I think, too, because I think... I've, I've especially heard, too, the directors did confirm that Gamora... They've confirmed that Gamora is trapped in the Soul Stone, so we know she is for sure. So she, we know she's not dead for sure, which I never thought she was, but they have, that's the only one they confirm it's in the Soul Stone at the moment, but I think you're probably right. I think they are all probably in the Dimension or the Soul Stone, either way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, what's interesting here, too, is I guess we, we you and I both found a lot of uh, details and facts about the film and, and different opinions and different things. Let's give these people that are listening some some of these things. We'll break these down, you know, uh, every other one we'll comment on one. We already talked about the missable details, of course. We've already laid out a lot of those. Yeah. Um, go down to the awesome things and opinions. The first one is Thor and Star-Lord. Which I had mentioned already. You yeah. know, how essentially, you know, Thor and Star-Lord is a recap the films that those two were in. Like, all the Thor movies and all the Guardian of the Galaxy movies. Mm-hmm. They for- essentially just recap the movies that they're each in respectively to each other, counting all the family members each of them lost at that point as well. And like we said about Voldemort in the French dub version, 
Tony calls Ma Voldemort instead of Squidward. I would, that that kind of makes me laugh thinking about. Makes sense. It really does. It... Uh, and then, so, what do you think about it? I, the, this movie really, this movie, in my opinion, really was probably officially the best superhero movie ever made. This might have been better than this might have been better than Dark Knight in my personal um, opinion. I will strongly disagree because that Dark Knight trilogy is just so. I know well the Dark told. Knight trilogy, but I think that it was better than the Dark Knight, which, in my opinion, was the strongest of the three. Yeah, I, I'm, I'll tell you why. I'll give you one reason and one reason only why it's not, and it's simply because the Joker is the ultimate villain. Heath Ledger plays it masterfully. It's 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 you, you I just know. can't you can't at top the same that. time, Josh Brolin played Thanos perfectly. He did, but here's my problem: a lot of it's just simple voice work versus just an overall performance. Yeah, again that, but the way that this story was told throughout 19 films leading to this particular film. But would you feel the same way without those 19 films? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. See, that's the question there. You need but those you, 19 films to feel that still, way. Still, either way, that those gave the story that this needed. Like, it, like this really made it, this movie feel like it was the best superhero movie ever made. Give it time. Right now, it's nostalgia. Right now, it's a big moment. Give it time. Let it sink in. Give it some time to, to age, and then go back and revisit, and then see if you feel that way. Uh, all right. Um, so what else do we want to talk about here? Uh, let's see. Um, oh, last part here. The, the references and Easter eggs. Tony says, do you concur, Doctor, to Doctor Strange? Something Sherlock often says to Doctor Watson. And, of course, Robert Downey Jr. plays Sherlock Holmes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Then, how about this one? All fathers, please let the dark magic flow through me one last time. This was a reference to the way that Thor got to Earth in the first Avengers movie, as Loki said, with the Bifrost gone now, how much dark energy did the All Father muster to conjure you here? Hmm. Heimdall purposely sent Hulk to Strange because he saw everyone. What do you mm. think about that one? That's That's deep. And then here's this one. When Tony cuts Thanos' face and he says, all that for a drop of blood, is a reference to Ivan Vankos, to Tony in Iron Man 2, if you could make God bleed, people would cease to believe in him. Exactly. A lot of quotes. A lot of. If you notice, there's a lot of, like, um, not exactly Shakespeare, but Shakespearean type references and, I know. And, and, and words and, and it's br- it's absolutely brilliant it is it, it absolutely brilliant um on that note let's talk about briefly before we wrap up here let's talk about what's to come that we know in marvel phase four oh we'll get to that here in a minute this is the big discussion that i wanted to have with you mike thanos okay where do you, what do you see him as what do you mean what do you see him as with his methods, what do you see him as? 
Well, I don't see him as a god. Obviously not a god, but what do you see him as? Me and you have had this discussion previously before. You 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 mean of him being being right in what he does? I think sense? the way that he went about it was wrong and unfortunate. I think what he was trying to accomplish was the right thing. You can't kill half people to accomplish that goal. The problem is, though, it's the same issue that we're facing right now. We have these billions of people that are here on this planet. What's happening to all of our resources right now? Well, that's a good point, but at the same time, you can't it's have It's sort of like person... how, it's sort of sweet. my opinion, Thanos is like the unfortunate king of an empire that, you know, he's forced to make these decisions that make him look cruel, when what he's really trying to do is for the best of his people. Yeah, but it's not up to one man or anything to play God. It's not his job. The same can be said for a lot of different things, though. He, I, it's understandable, yes. He, it's not up to one person to make the decision play God, but it's a matter of that he's doing what he feels is right to try and, you know, save population itself, trying to save resources, trying to make sure that everyone is taken care of. He had to he had to make, you know, some unfortunate decisions. He's shown that in this film by the motions and everything that he's done during some of the stuff that he's done. Like what you said with the Gamora thing, with him tossing having to toss Gamora off, you saw you like you could see the remorse in his face, like he had to make that decision. Well, here, here's two ways you could solve that, though. Here's here's one. One, if you had a population problem, say, on Earth, you could easily move half the population someplace else. But then there's another problem. See, with what Thanos does here, he eliminates half the people, that doesn't mean the problem can't happen again. The Earth can repopulate and bring it right back to the population problem it had again. It doesn't solve the ultimate problem. It's the problem yeah, that still exists. That how, yeah, I know that, but it's, do you know how long it's going to take for... Uh, planet to repopulate to that level. It'll take a long time, but why not instead but of killing half you the have, people? You have the resources to have people live out their lives at that point in time, you know, without worry. Why without not take half? The, why not take half the population, move them someplace else? Where would they? Where would they move them to? The whole universe. Where? It's you, the same you, thing. Like you said, he's doing that to he. To half the population of everything in the universe. But the end result here is you can't pick and choose people to live and die. You can't do that. That's that's he's, being that's the thing. He's not picking and choosing. He might as well. He's choosing half the population just to die. It does, he's not literally picking he's them. He's doing but it at random. He's doing it. Well, the universe is doing it at random. But it isn't his job to do it. That's not his job. He he wants to perceive himself as a god, which he is not. And he's taking it into his own hands to do this, which he has no right to do. Just like it's just like that. They're like the Avengers saying, "Oh, okay, well, we're protecting the planet, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna kill the people because we can't protect everybody. So in order to protect these people, we're gonna kill these people." Yeah, we can we'll agree to disagree. And yeah, I mean, there's 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 two sides to every coin, and you know it. Yeah. 
But all in all, I mean, the movie as a whole is great. Um, it definitely makes you want more. I mean, no question. Probably more than I probably have ever felt about any other Marvel movie this far. I mean, I've only ever won the exactly. sequel. Because I've seen, you know, you've seen all the other Marvel movies, but when have you ever left, you know, an Iron Man or a Thor or Captain America and you've walked out really wanting the sequel badly? You, you haven't. You, you, you want to see the sequel, but you never walked out saying, oh my god, I need that sequel right now. Nobody's ever, probably really ever felt that. With this one, it's the complete opposite, but then again, it's the only Marvel movie to end on a somber, cliffhanger, depressing note. Yeah, so, alright, let's go on to the predictions that were made about this film, you know, which ones were wrong here. So, the first and foremost one is the fact that everyone had predicted that Iron Man and Cap were dying in this film. That didn't happen, obviously. Right. And, you know, this one I actually find interesting is that I didn't know that, you know, there was a prediction going around that Heimdall uh, was the Soul Stone. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. How about Tony Stark using the Time Stone based on, based on the trailers? Which that did, I did have thought that maybe he was. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. A lot of these I'm seeing are really because, like, based on the Soul Stone. Yeah, being like in Wakanda. Gamora being the Soul Stone, the Soul Stone being in Wakanda, which that would have made some sense. But yeah, I mean, it would have felt weird for the Soul Stone to be in Wakanda and the sacrifice being in Wakanda. That would have been weird. And of course, Hawkeye wasn't in this movie. Which I, we'll see him probably in the next one. I'll be in the next one. I would assume because you know they got to kind of give Same him with some Ant-Man. closure. Yeah, I was probably not to see Ant-Man in this either. I, I kind of was. I thought we might see him in some shape or form. Which leads me to another question, too, because we, we have Ant-Man coming out um, soon. We don't know right now where Ant-Man takes place in the continuity of things. I, it has to take place before Infinity War because he would have shown up. Yeah. So it's got to. So I'm assuming that's how that's going to go. Um, same thing with um, uh, uh, Captain Marvel. I know that movie's going to take place when she became Captain Marvel, and then the end of it would probably be where we left off the end of Infinity War. Exactly. So, um, you know, what que- let's, What questions are we going to see, like, coming out of this, man? Like, uh, you know, why didn't the Avengers kill Thanos when he was put to sleep by Mantis on Titan? You know, why didn't they? That's a good point. That's a really but good this point. But goes back to what we had talked about. Maybe it was, from, maybe it was the one possibility that, uh, uh, for the outcome where they won that strange saw. Well, we're also told, too, the only thing that can kill him is the axe that Thor was going for anyway, too, and they didn't have that. So maybe that was the outcome that they're looking for. Was, you know, right. They couldn't do that in order to win. And how about this one? Can Wanda destroy Infinity Stones now? It's definitely a good question, especially considering, you know... She already destroyed one. She had already technically destroyed one by destroying the Mind Stone. Right. What about, uh, you know, now that Red Skull's alive, wouldn't that mean the people that, uh, the people who died in the first Avenger are somewhere in space floating? They, they would have to be, I mean, they would be dead, of course, but they would have been alive at some point. So, would they have been you know, would they have found a way to survive? That's a good point, too. I mean, that, maybe that'll come into play if we go back in time travel with Cap in, in Part 2. Oh, and also, here's one. This is a Thor Ragnarok one. 
where is Korg and Valkyrie, which we talked about Valkyrie, but like the answer says, Thor only kills 50, or Thanos only kills 50% of the people, they could have escaped the other half. We've, exactly. got, we've gotten that confirmation that is in fact what happened, so we know that one. we got an answer to that. And mind you, one of the things also that uh, you got to notice too is that uh, in this movie, you know how Tony had mentioned to Banner how the Avengers had been broken up and how him and Captain haven't been on speaking terms for, you know, years at this point for mm-hmm. a while. Which they still haven't spoke yet either. They haven't spoken to each other in this film at all. They were never in the same area in this film whatsoever. Are we going to see that reunion happen in this next movie? Well, I hope they do, because if they do kill one of them off or both of them off, I think we kind of need that scene before this ends. I mean, kind of gives it a little bit of closure. If we're getting all closure here, yeah, I, I, I would, I would hope so. I think we will. I, I, I really do. But, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are some good questions. Really good questions. Um. So as of this moment, as go, we go into uh, with Phase Four wrapping up after Avengers Part Two, um, the only movies that are confirmed at this moment for Phase Four are Spider-Man Two, which they just casted some new people, which I found to be pretty interesting. Um, like what? Michael Keaton is returning. Really? And Jake Gyllenhaal has been cast as uh, uh, Mysterio. They're going the Mysterio route with this one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was fully expecting them to go Craven the Hunter. That would have been a good way to go. I they probably they might go that way in three. They're going with they're going with villains. It seems like that we have not we have not seen yet because we've we've had what five other Spider-Man movies before Homecoming and we've seen... yeah but they honestly I would have expected them to go more lean more towards uh Craven the Hunter and this or possibly you know Scorpion which we haven't seen those guys in yet. any right. Spider-Man film yet which is why I loved how we haven't seen uh, or that we I, I, it's one of the reasons why I loved Homecoming so much because we got to see another villain in the Vulture, which we've never seen before. Right, that's true. That's true. And you know, uh, I did find out this bit of information, and I am very disappointed by this. Um, you know about the Venom movie coming out with Tom Hardy that's coming yeah. out this year. Well, there were all these rumors that they were making this movie to build him into the the new Spider-Man universe. From what I've read and what it's been said, they are not connected. Really. That's what they're saying, and I and I'm a little upset because I think this is a perfect opportunity to build Venom into that universe without having to worry about building him up in a Spider-Man movie. We're gonna get that build up, then put him in the movie. I, I think that might have been just a red herring. I think we might end up seeing him still eventually at some point. Maybe they're also doing it because they want to see how the movie's received first. If it's yeah. received, maybe they'll incorporate it. I think there's more to it than than the whole thing. So we'll see how that's gonna go. Um, the only then, other two that are confirmed in Phase 4 as of right now are Guardians 3 and uh, Black Widow movie. Well, mind you, Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's coming. Yeah, those are still Phase 3. Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel will be the final two movies in Phase 3 before the end of Avengers Part 2. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of Avengers Part 2, what do you think is going to happen? Um... As far as who's going to stay dead, you and I talked about that already, about, you know, uh, either... I think somebody's going to die. I'm hoping it's not Tony, because I want to see him have his happy ending. I think he deserves it, considering we started with this. Um, 
I still think that maybe Cap's going to die, but me personally, I want to see it go the route that you mentioned about him you know, going back in time and living in the 40s where he belongs. That's where I hope it goes. I don't know if it'll go that way. Now, here's know. another big question I have for you. Because the Avengers is still just such a huge thing. Right. Which route do you think they're going to go with the next big Marvel villain? Because Thanos was the end-all, be-all in this right. phase. Right. In this uh, three phases. Well, once we hit phase four, what do you think? Who do you think is going to be the next big baddie? Well, let's think. So, the the, the three the three um, the three villains they primarily or the three characters they primarily focused on in, in all three phases. Your big your big three were Cap, Thor, and um, and Iron Man. So I think that almost depends on who is going to take the new focus in face in these new phases. Who's going to be the new big three? Essentially, honestly, do you know what I can see happening with the with the Disney's acquisition of um, Fox? Fox that's pending, which that that might be falling through. I don't think it is. Comcast made a bid, and Disney made or Disney may not match it. It's pending. We don't know if if this does happen theoretically. If this does go through, like we hope it does. I kind of hope it does. We are going to have the Fantastic Four as part of the Marvel Universe. X-Men as well. X-Men as well, yes. I can see Doctor Doom being one of the next major Avengers villains. We're talking about us incorporating Silver Surfer, and if X-Men gets going, Dark Phoenix. we got a lot of possibilities here. So, yeah, I mean, if that does happen then it's pretty evident where the villain route should go because you want to go with the villain that people are familiar with. Right now, I don't so know if we have that. a lot of people that. that are familiar with that are people like uh, Doctor Doom. Right. Also, you've got Galactus. Correct. Which they can do properly this time. Mm-hmm. Unlike the abominations that should have been aborted, known as the first of two uh, F- Fantastic Four films. Well, one thing's for sure. Those two movies were better than the abomination of the reboot they did a few years ago. That movie was god-awful. Oh, yeah, I forgot they made a third one. That movie That's was... That's just because how bad it was. It was god-awful. So I chose to delete it from my memory. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also got Kang the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. Well, there's nothing... There's, there's... That is another major villain of the Avengers that they are going to have to worry about. Yeah. Again, you know, the thing of it is, too, is that, you know, if, if this Fox acquisition does not go down, you know, either one of two things needs to happen. Either Marvel needs to step in and still try to purchase their, their those rights, or if they don't and we can't get the rights over, who is the potential big three to carry the next three, maybe two or three phases to do this? Who's the big three? <coughs> it could be that we have a new... Captain America, which I'm assuming is going to end up being the case. So Bucky, probably. Captain Marvel. No, I think Bucky might die in this next film. That's possible. I don't think it's possible. I think it's probable. It's either he's going to die or he's going to get sent back also. So could you see... I can see Sam Wilson being the new captain. Okay, could you see Captain Marvel being one of the big three? Maybe. I don't necessarily think so. Depends on how she's also probably received, too, in her movie and how that all goes down. I think that we're going to see a lot more from Black Panther. Uh-huh. We're going to see a lot more from Spider-Man. 
Doctor Strange still has two movies to go too. Doctor Strange, yes, I don't necessarily know if he's going to end up being one of the next major ones. I don't really know his his villain history, so that would take some looking. But it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here. There's a lot of possibilities, and it's going to be very interesting because we got a lot coming up, and we're also going to see if the new phases without our big characters is also going to hold up as well. We're going to see. It's going to be a very big question, and uh, we're going to see how it all goes down. Alright, so let's hit the wrapping up point here. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you see happening next for us, at least? Well, I definitely know that Solo A Star Wars Story will definitely be our next podcast, because that's coming out this weekend, so that's going to be something that's coming up next for sure. Um, what about uh, solo podcasts? Oh, individual podcasts. Um, I'm going to be doing myself, I'm going to be doing the J.J. Uh, the Abrams Star Trek trilogy. I'm going to revisit those and start doing those. Okay. Um, what do you have in mind for yours? Uh, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do just yet. I know that I'm going to be trying to find the software I need in order to uh, start recording like the podcast on my own mm -hmm. uh, over on my laptop that I have, since you have a, uh Apple laptop and I have uh, Windows. Right. We so find we're going to figure out a way to get that taken care of but if i can find a way to do that we're gonna i'm gonna start recording my own and send you the audio links to all of them okay i know you were talking about possibly getting into the horror genre a little bit yourself so we'll see what happens with that mm -hmm. yeah it'll be interesting but uh solo star wars story is definitely next we're looking forward to seeing how that's yeah, gonna so go that's and... gonna be our next combined effort on mm -hmm. that one yeah we're looking forward to that um should be good uh, anything else, Mike? I think that's about it. Just like I said before, like we said, please subscribe, comment, please. I can't drive that hard enough. Please comment. Give us some ideas. I mean, come on. You want more podcasts? We put more out if you suggest stuff. And this is going back to something that we said at the very, very beginning of this episode, is that we've been seeing a lot of views on, uh, what was Castbox. Castbox. On the first episode that we did for the podcast for The Force Awakens. Yeah, the first two we did have a shitload of views. We got over 100 million views, it's, it said, on CastBox. Mm -hmm. the, for The Last Jedi, it was damn near 200. We, we, I we mean, can't for believe something it, even I... as, you know, not well-known as, like, the Belco experiment, we almost hit 100 million. So we know that you guys are watching out there. And we appreciate that We very know much. that you guys are listening, and we greatly appreciate that. What we want from you guys now is feedback. Yes. What do you like about our podcast? What do you not like? What needs to change? What could stay the same? What would you like to hear us do next? What would you like us to do solo? Please, let us know. Yeah, please do. We want to, we want to get as many of these out as possible because, you know, the more we get out, the more you guys get to listen. The, the more, more we get known, the more that we can right. start telling you guys, you know, giving you guys reviews and letting you know what we think of this stuff. And please find us on Facebook as well because we got go to Lights Camera Action the movie podcast on Facebook. Find us, like us, you can you know, follow our whole activity when something new's coming down the pipeline, let us know what you want to hear, comment on our statuses. You know, we're going to work on probably doing something like boosting posts on Facebook to try to get more exposure, but you know, if you're listening to this, please go on there, like the page and do some of this stuff because the more you do this, the more we keep the podcast going, keeping it fresh and putting new stuff out constantly. I, other than that, the only thing I can think of is that for 
the actually what I want to do is uh, do you know if any of our buddies that mean you both know are fans of you know any of the other Marvel films at all or any the or you know any major films at all that we could get their help with? I'm sure. Yeah, I mean I've talked to some people and some people I think have been interested in coming in and. Uh, doing a guest podcast was coming in and doing one with us and giving some of their opinions. Um, I know we've talked about, uh, I think I talked about with a couple of friends of mine about doing like, um, we wanted, I really wanted to do a show with a couple different people about, about the Marvel Cinematic Universe or about the Star Wars saga as a whole and just talk about it in one podcast about the whole series and do it like a round table yeah. discussion. Um, so I'm trying to work on getting some people to do that. I think that'd be a great idea to bounce ideas and opinions about things about the series as a whole. Exactly. So, yeah. So that'd be very, very fun. So yeah, um just do what we just do what we told us you know, we were stretching out to you guys because, you know, we want to keep this thing going as long as we can and give you guys fresh new material because we've been really been getting stuff out slower because we've been trying to figure out what we're gonna do and how we're gonna do things. But if you guys, you know, do this stuff then we'll we get be stuff able out to more. pump out a lot more exactly. podcasts for you guys. We'll be able to give you something entertaining to listen to. Exactly. Well, I, th- I think we'll definitely probably have Solo out probably sometime next week, I would gather. Yeah. And what I want to do is, at some point, I want to make it so that way it's just like a lot of podcasts out there. We've got the visual aspect of it, too, where we have a studio set up. Like, I want to end up making money off this so that we can get a studio set up for you guys so you can watch us that way. We can actually do some phone-in stuff, too. Yeah, that would be great to do, too. I've thought about, you know, getting some video. Therefore, we can branch out into the YouTube format and, and the Facebook video format and getting this thing out there. We could even do some podcasts via Facebook and YouTube live and do some of these things live. And, you know, if a movie comes out and it's and it, and it's just brand new and you want to know some things about it without being, in, you know, informed about spoilers, we could do a live show based upon, like, say, um, I don't know, like... Uh, 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 I would, I, that's the issue, though, is that if people are coming to our pot, like coming to our podcast for reviews or anything, they've got to realize that it's going to be spoiled. Well, unless we do a show that's a live discussion, kind of like, um, uh, I mean, I always suggest that you've seen the movie before you come in, because you know, if we, even if we do a discussion, we're going to discuss spoilers and details. But it'd be great to do, like, one of these. Therefore, if, like, say, like, a new Marvel movie comes out, like Ant-Man, and we want to do a live discussion, we could do a live video. You guys can jump in, ask us questions about it to us, about the movie, what we thought. You know, maybe you don't understand something in the movie, and we could answer it for you. There's a lot of cool things we could do in a live discussion post that would be really cool and more interactive for the viewers. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, this is, this is, we stress this. Do this stuff, and we can do this. We can do this. We want to do this for you guys, so... You know, we make the podcast for the listener for you, and we want to, you know, make sure we get the material out so you guys can hear everything. All right. Uh, was there anything else, Mike? I think that's about it. All right, then, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Lights, Camera, Action, the Movie Podcast. Uh, I am, again, Jason Kavasik. And I'm Mike Winkler. And that's a wrap. We'll see you on Solo, a Star Wars story. In time, you will know what it's like to lose. Feel so desperately that you're right, yet to fail all the same. Dread it. Run from it. Destiny still arrives. Evacuate the city. 
negate all defenses and get this man a shield. isn't something one considers when balancing the universe. But this <laughs> does put a smile on my face.